your need-to-know cultural snapshot of Wisconsin and beyond. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max, a deep dive into all things intriguing, riveting, and entertaining. And now your host for the evening, here's Sandy Max. I am Sandy Max, ready to rock an exciting evening ahead. What's on Tap is a show about culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world and looking through newsworthy topics and relevant topics through that filter. And on What's on Tap tonight, artificial intelligence in the entertainment world and an iconic comedian, George Carlin, passed away in 2008, but he was just online in a comedy special recently. AI or imitation? We're going to talk directly with the executor of George Carlin's estate to get the details of what exactly was done with Carlin's voice and image and what the progress is in the lawsuit that has been filed. Because as you recall, with the strikes with the Writers Guild and the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, AI, whether it was writing or replicating people's images and voices was one of the main topics as technology just keeps moving forward. So I'm going to be very curious to find out uh, what happened in the George Carlin case that we don't know and what the progress and what this case could mean as a touchstone moving forward. So speaking of lawsuits, find out what it's like to be a courtroom sketch artist this morning Vince Vitrano and Eric Bilstead not only uh, got sketched, but they also talked to the man who does this for a living. So it's going to be interesting to meet him. Plus, we're going to get a preview from United Performing Arts Fund's Katie Korek of some of the fun shows that are around town that you can see. But first, you know me, I'm a big music fan. A concert announcement to share with you in case you missed it yesterday. Pfizer Forum is going to rock this summer. We love our outdoor concerts, but we love our stadium concerts, too. Are you ready to see the Wilson sisters? They are back together. Hart coming back to Milwaukee. I was actually at the last show that Hart performed. It was 2019. I went uh, on a birthday concert event occasion with my friend Katie, and they were great. Ann Wilson's voice is powerful. It's beautiful. And in person, it really holds up. It's the, uh, it's, it's just, I think it's going to be really impressive. The Royal Flush Tour 2024 and Nancy Wilson just rocks it on guitar. So see the Wilson sisters back together and get there early because one of the best bands out of the Midwest is opening up. Oh yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers from Rockford, Illinois. Cheap Trick, who I don't think has ever, ever put on a bad show. They are opening for Heart. That is going to be a rockin' night in August. August 15th at Pfizer Forum. Tickets go on sale Friday. You can check out the Pfizer Forum website. But uh, i got to tell you, if you've never, ever seen <laughs> Cheap Trick or if you've seen seen them many times before they're always worth seeing it's never really the same show twice and they've got so many great songs and i got a chance to talk to epic iconic guitarist rick nielsen a few years ago when cheap trick was uh gonna play gathering on the green in mequon and i was able to ask him you know you say cheap trick don't you just automatically think of that checkerboard pattern all over the stage, on the shoes, even on the guitars. Well, Rick Nielsen, uh, this was his answer when I said, how, how do you come up with that checkerboard pattern as your signature look? 
the fact that nobody was really using it except Indianapolis 500, that was about it, and then the, the Chicago police on their hats. I just liked it. It just fit me because I thought, you know, my world is it's black and white. It's, you know, it's yes and no, right and left. And, you know, if, if you try to put in too many other elements into the stuff, it's like uh, now you got to explain stuff, and you're explaining things that you don't really know what the answer is anyhow. A little window to Rick Nielsen's mind there. Black and white, the better answer for him. But uh, they are, that is just going to rock. Again, that is August 15th, Pfizer Forum Heart and Cheap Trick, a great night of classic rock. And I think the song you need to hear tonight will be from Heart. Can you can you get enough of the rockin' women? So uh, stay with me. And next, we are going to visit with the executor of George Carlin's estate to find out the latest use and misuse of AI and George Carlin. That's next on What's on Tap. I'm kind of glad that we're on at night so that we're not competing with all the football and baseball games. So many, man. All the time. And this is the time of year when there's both. You know, football's kind of nice. They changed it a little bit. They moved the hash marks in. Guys found them and smoked them anyway. (laughs) That is the voice of George Carlin on Saturday Night Live back in 1975. Iconic George Carlin. And this is the voice we heard just this month. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to start off with a heartfelt apology. I'm sorry it took me so long to come out with new material, but I I do have a pretty good excuse. I was dead. (laughs) Okay, so that is supposedly an audio special called George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, a, a fake comedy special. And this has sparked a lawsuit about artificial intelligence and over one of the most beloved, iconic, and trailblazing comedians of the century and to get to uh, the bottom of this situation and understand it better and also understand what the ramifications of artificial intelligence can mean for the future of entertainment uh, please welcome to what's on tap the executor of the estate of George Carlin uh, of, of George Carlin's estate excuse me Gerald Hamza and Gerald you are also George Carlin's longtime manager that's correct. We were together for over 30 years. And, Gerald, what is the lawsuit that you have filed over this new supposedly comedy special that's an hour long of George Carlin's voice? Well, first of all, we have excellent lawyers, abrasive lawyers, and we're not embarrassed to use them. But it's about uh, stealing George's material. And I understand that they've taken the uh, show down off of YouTube, so that's a step in the right direction. But they just took it upon themselves to try to copy a George Carlin special. Now, they, they could be fans of George, for all I know, but we, we're uh, absolutely uh, too much vested in George's you know, appearance, production, material, to just let it slide. So we're not doing that. Yeah, it's a podcast called Dudesy, and the hosts and comedians are Will Sasso and Chad Kultkin. And how did you even become aware of this? Oh, people call us. People call us. They said, do you know this? Do you know that? 
And, of course, you know, when you hear something like this, you want to say, oh, my goodness. You know, get a life. Get your own life. Uh, or create you know, your uh, create your own in, uh, com- comedy, because George Carlin was an original, a true original. That's right. Uh, George, George and I spent so much time together, and I saw how he could work and to produce a 58-minute special. I think there's 13 or 14 of them. And these people uh, do that. There's very, very few. I don't want anybody that can do it. We've had people, you know, contest who's the best monologist of the century or whatever. It always comes out as George. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something worth protecting, and that's what we're doing. And what's the next step in a lawsuit like this? Well, they took the, they took the special down. Now, now we want to see uh, what the damages amount to. You know, we don't want any kids sleeping in a stroller on the curb. But on the other hand, we don't want to be taken advantage of. Now, what do you feel about, or, or what are the dynamics? Because the, the podcasters are saying that it wasn't actually artificial intelligence that wrote the special. It, does that change your position on whether it's copyright infringement just to use an impression of his voice and their jokes? No. No, I think it's too much in George's uh, late face. Uh, I don't think they have any right to do it. I know how much work goes into doing a 60-minute special. It's actually, it's actually 58 minutes because they take two minutes, you know, for the credits and all that. But a 58-minute special every two years takes a lot of work, takes a lot of energy. And uh, with George, he was a natural. You know, every time George would do a special, he'd come to me after and he'd say, you know, Jerry, I'd like to take a long, long time off, like three, four years. But sure enough, he'd come back to me a week later and says, you know those notes I've been making? I've added them up, and we've got 41 minutes. All we've got to do is, is a little more, and we've got another special. And then that's how it happened. But he was brilliant. There are no monologists that can come up with the same stuff George did. Most of the people that you probably think are, you know, genius comics bought their jokes or half their jokes. George never bought a joke. He never needed to. We're talking with the executive for the estate of George Carlin, Gerald Hamza, who was also George Carlin's longtime manager. And, you know, Gerald, uh, George Carlin is certainly known for leaving his mark here in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, Summerfest 1972, uh, he performed the seven words that you're not supposed to, and they arrested him. Yeah, he, he got arrested on stage, and uh, he gave... Lenny Bruce made fun of George because when, they, when the cops asked him what his name was, he said, George Carlin, and Lenny called him a schmuck. You know, you should have given him any name. But uh, he got out of it, you know, he did... Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big deal, but it was symbolically, it was a big deal. Here was a man that was uh, getting shut down uh, for his words, and they were his original words. And uh, that case actually became 
uh, important in his career long term. It certainly helped establish his name at a time when we certainly didn't have social media and all the technology we have now. I want to ask you one more question about this case, and I want to also maybe get some fun memories about George Carlin with you, but about this lawsuit in particular, about the use of George Carlin's voice and and likeness with AI. Um, George Carlin's daughter, Kelly, kind of flagged up that the podcast never asked permission. Is this an area now where permission could have been granted if they'd come to you? Or is no generative AI just a hard stance that that you take? Even if they came to me, uh, I I wouldn't have allowed it because I know that wouldn't have been up to Georgia's standards. However, let me tell you a quick story. Years ago, there was a writer for the Boston Globe, and he completely plagiarized George for a couple of columns. I told George... And I thought George was going to hit the ceiling, but instead he called the man and actually consoled him and told and you know encouraged him to keep going because he read other stuff the guy did. You know that's fine. Come up, and this man did, and he became a successful writer for the Globe. And uh, in this particular case. I would have told these guys if they came forward to me, show me what you can do. I would never have let them use George's whole thing, but maybe they could have used their own thing. See, see the funny thing about comedy like this, uh, you know, I, I asked George in the 70s and 80s if he thought because all these comedy clubs were going to spring up, if there was going to be a whole new uh, group of fabulous comedians. And he says, no. There's only so many come along, whether it's a Steve Martin or a Woody Allen, whoever it is, they come along, you know, Richard Fryer, so often, and that's it. Now, the chances of people coming to me with material and saying, you know, can you help us get this on the air? I wouldn't let them help, you know, I wouldn't let them help, uh, jump on George's stuff or copy his stuff. But if they have their own thing and I thought it was good enough, I might try to help them. But the problem is, you know, comedy comedy can be heartbreaking. There's no better feeling in the world than telling a joke or telling something funny and watching the person go over the scales with laughter. And there's nothing sadder then coming up with your best stuff and having the audience go dead. Just stare at you. <laughs> I don't know how they could take it. To be honest with you, I'd go be an accountant. You know, geez, start drinking something. <laughs> what are some of the parameters that you keep in mind that you protect the estate of George Carlin, what are the types of projects that you would consider? Well, first, first of all, the uh, y- you know the, uh, the the whole monologue. I think it's thirteen or fourteen hours. Those I would absolutely protect because they're brilliant. There is he owns them, and that's it. If a person came to me and they said. We got an idea of something we'd like to do about George 
or if they had their own material and it was excellent, and you got you you got to understand, I'm a bitching critic. I've been dealing with George for thirty some years, <laughs> so so whoever comes up, he better be Steve Martin or somebody, or I'm going to blow him away. But if somebody came up and he was really great. Uh, I would help him. Not copy George. Stand on your own two feet. Let's see what you got. But don't forget what I said, boy. If you miss a target, you're going to go home with a migraine. <laughs> At least a couple of beers. You're in Milwaukee. He <laughs> get all the beers he needs. <laughs> Gerald, is there a specific memory you can leave us with a, a fond moment that you shared with george carlin since you were his longtime manager and got to spend such special time with him say that again i'm sorry did you have a favorite memory since you did get to spend so much time with him maybe just even on the road or something special from Most your time with him the material that we had was created by george and me in a car he would like to fly to a major city uh, from L.A., and then drive 105 miles an hour to three cities playing, playing the rest of the weekends. And I learned so much. You know what I learned so much from him that I really love? And I, and I hope you do, too. Language. I never, I went to Jesuit schools. I got hammered by those bastards. Excuse me. I'm talking about the priests. But you know what? They love language, and so did George. And uh, he he instilled that in me. <laughs> and to this day, I love going to a dictionary, getting on the computer, finding out what this means and that means. Uh, I can remember once that George really got hot because... <laughs> I was talking to him, and we were talking about a word. And I says, you know, George, it's common language. It's in a dictionary. I don't care if it wasn't right 50 years ago. It's okay now. And he, and he says, blankety-blank, common usage. That's the word. Because <laughs> he had spent his whole life learning words, and the last thing he wanted was somebody to come along and tell him, ah, forget that, it's okay to use it. He was an artful and clever comedian, definitely used the language well. Gerald Hamza, George Carlin's longtime manager and now executor for the estate of George Carlin. Uh, best of luck in the progress on the AI lawsuit, and thank you for spending time with us here and on thank WTMJ. Bye-bye. We have more coming up. Courtroom sketch artists and a preview of some of the theater around from one of our favorite people from UPATH. This is What's on Tap, an hour devoted to culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world. And that music that you are hearing is from... The epic, iconic, and very cult film, Xanadu, with Olivia Newton-John and Gene Kelly and lots of pastel colors, disco, and roller skates 
But I'm excited to say you can experience Xanadu in Milwaukee right now. And here to tell us more about it, because you've seen it, is from the United Performing Arts Fund PR and Communications Manager, Katie Corrick. Welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me, Sandy. And what was your experience at Xanadu at Skylight Music Theater? I did not really know much about Xanadu going in. I knew of it because Susan Varela, who's their executive director, is a friend of mine, and she loves Xanadu. So I kind of went in blind. And it was amazing. And it was just 90 minutes of pure joy. It is just like the movie, from my understanding. It's it's following the great muse, Kira, as she's trying to inspire a, um, a, a not failing artist, but a kind of discouraged artist in Venice City. The costumes are amazing. So many bright neon colors. They're on roller skates, <laughs> which is impressive in and of itself. The choreography is done by Stephanie Stasek, who's a local choreographer, and it is incredible um all in all it is an amazing show doug clemens the director it's his directorial debut at skylight and it was he just he put his heart and soul into this and it is just one of those shows you can just take a little bit of joy put it in your pocket and spread it to the world after the fact what a great way to put that i love that so i'm excited about xanadu for sentimental reasons because i remember the movie as a kid yeah it's unlike a lot of shows you'll see and it's just it's very lighthearted, which you need sometimes in a musical. It doesn't have to be all dark and heavy and thought-provoking. Sometimes you can just be in it to have fun. That's true. And another fun show that is in Milwaukee, Guys on Ice. Guys on Ice at the Milwaukee Rep in the Stackner Cabaret that's running through March 17th, so lots of time to go see it. It is um, referred to as a hit ice fishing musical. <laughs> so it, has been, it started in 1998. It is performed all around the state of Wisconsin, other places around the country. Um, it was recently just at Northern Sky Theater in Door County last summer, and then that crew kind of picked up and came to Milwaukee Rep for this season. It is essentially a little musical about ice fishing. It is two guys in their shanty just talking about life and Lake life on stage. life and love and ones that got away, and all of the things you kind of expect while ice fishing with really fun songs, like Ode to a Snowmobile Suit. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's Wisconsin wrapped up and put in a musical on stage at the Stackner Cabaret, which is a really, really cool intimate space if you haven't been. Um, It is kind of cabaret tables. It's just a couple hundred, I believe. It's just a different feel than if you're going in and lining up in the seat. It's a nice way to spend an evening and celebrate the state of Wisconsin, and even with mention of the Green Bay Packers here and there. <laughs> well, as we celebrate the state of Wisconsin and guys on ice, we actually get to celebrate the world. Milwaukee Ballet is about to do something that I love. It's called Genesis. Can you describe the concept that's bringing the talent of the world here on stage? Yeah, they the Milwaukee Ballet looks to choreographers around the world for submissions of ideas for this Genesis competition. So it is a competition in its, at its truest form. Uh, it was performed at the Paps Theater this year from February 8th to the 11th. Three choreographers are chosen by Michael Pink himself, and again, they come from all over the world. They randomly pick out of a hat their quote-unquote team of Milwaukee Ballet company dancers. So they well, that's get good. So nobody feels like I'm picking you yes. last. Yes, <laughs> just like the a, kickball it's not team. Our draft. It is <laughs> randomly chosen out of a hat, which kind of puts a different spin on it because you have to to work with whatever dances you have and choreographers from all over the world. And to see for those fresh choreographers to work with the talented Milwaukee Ballet yeah. team to see their ideas come to life. I have been to maybe three of these Genesis performances, and I am telling you, I can still 
remember images. I can remember amazing, unexpected dance moves. I love a traditional ballet, but when you can see what the art form can really do with modern music and different takes on classical steps, it's fascinating. It's engrossing. It yeah. really is special. When I've seen it, I was always amazed by the pure athleticism you see on stage. Yes. I feel like it's, it's showcased so well through Genesis. Not only is our local company dancers getting to work with these international choreographers, but these choreographers are going to go back to where they came from and say, look at the Milwaukee scene that's here and the talent that is here and the support of the community that we witnessed. So it's really great and it culminates in this competition at the Paps Theater. Audiences get to vote on yes. their favorite one. And the winner, the choreographer who has the most votes and is a, is a pick, gets to come back and choreograph a whole piece for the Milwaukee Ballet, which is super cool, too. So not only is it a world premiere in the moment, but it lends it to coming back and having another world premiere in the future from these choreographers from all over the world. And like you said, putting Milwaukee on the cultural map globally. Yeah. Exactly. Big thanks to Michael Pink for making that happen. For He's sure. really made a huge impact with his leadership at the Milwaukee mm -hmm. Ballet for 20 years now. Yes, we are very lucky to have the whole Pink family. We have talked about the Milwaukee Ballet, the Milwaukee Rep, and Skylight Music Theater, but there are so many members of UPATH. There are a lot more performances to get to. Where can we find a full list of performances? Yeah, so you can go to upath.org. That's U-P-A-F dot O-R-G. Right on our homepage, we have a performance calendar that showcases all of the UPATH members and affiliate performances. So we're talking over 50 organizations that you can pick the performance that best fits you, whether you're looking for something for a date night or to bring your family or maybe even like an ASL-interpreted performance. So you can find all of that information on that performance calendar on upath.org. Katie Corrick from UPATH. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sandy. And next, Eric Bilstead and Vince Vitrano, artistic interpretations of Wisconsin's Morning News. Next. I'm Sandy. Max, you've got it on What's on Tap. And this morning, I loved what Vince Vitrano and Eric Bilstead did. You see them on newscasts, sketches of courtroom scenes, but who really draws them? Well, Vince Vitrano and Eric Bilstead interviewed a courtroom sketch artist. Here's that conversation. So joining us on Wisconsin's Morning News right now is Jim McKiernan of Madison. Jim is a sketch artist. He's been in the courtrooms before and, and does this and has done this for a living. Jim, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So walk us through the process a little bit. When you get into the courtroom, because this is done here locally in Madison and in Milwaukee, uh, what are you looking at? Are you looking at eyes? Are you looking at wardrobe, surroundings? How do you go through your, your creation process? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, pretty often you're looking at the back of everybody's heads. Uh, when you <laughs> yes. get in the federal courtroom in, in Madison, uh, you have to sit two rows back. And uh, for almost every one that I've done, I've been behind either the defendant or the you know prosecuting attorneys. Uh, so what you get is you have to, you see the judge face on and you see any witness who's in the witness box face on, but you know, beyond that you're, you're at this bizarre side angle and you just hope that they'll, uh, you know, turn their head or make a remark to somebody so you can at least catch a profile of them. Um, that's probably the main challenge. I have a lot of drawings of the back of people's heads. Uh, so you're trying to you know, communicate, oh, he looks upset because he's being prosecuted. Well, how can you tell? Anyway, it's body language. Um, the costume 
obviously, you know, if you if you've got uh, you know property of the county of Dane, uh, you know, federal prison on the uh, scratched across the back sure. of the uh, thing, you can tell what's going on. But for the most part, it's just uh, you're trying to capture. Um, what I refer to as the gesture of the figure that is just kind of like the bulk and how they, how they stand or sit, or you can tell a lot of, about a person's attitude just by the way their body is shifting back and forth. So that's, you know, you're, you, you just have to like do what you can. Now I had a, I had a, a recent trial where, uh, it was, uh, uh, I was really fortunate. I got to sit in the, uh, in the, uh, jury box. And and that was a completely different thing. So I could look at everybody and, and see all the faces. Uh, Jim that's McKiernan, usually not the case. Oh, sorry, Jim. Jim McKiernan is a, a sketch artist, and we're talking with him about being in court and drawing pictures of of what he sees, so that TV stations and what have that video of court. Do you feel like a weight, Jim? I imagine it's different than Eric and I come in and with for the family photo or the family city. Like it's you, you know. If if it is true that a picture tells a thousand words. You have to decide what what is the message that I hope to convey. Yeah, what with are the this, words? Yeah, one moment in time, right? Do you feel the weight of that responsibility? Oh heck yeah! Uh, you know, it, it's a rush of adrenaline. I guess that's part of the attraction of the thing for me. Um, you know, I started out as an illustrator, and I'd be doing products and things like that. But when you get in front of somebody whose life is on the line. Uh, or who has suffered through some, you know, really uh, terrible situation, and now they're on the witness stand. You know, you want to do them justice, uh, um, in a manner of speaking. And then, you know, but the truth is, is that probably nobody ever gets to see them in real life unless they have other news photos. So you're not quite as um, obliged to to make a perfect portrait. But you are to tell the story. And again, I go back to body language. You know, it's uh, who's being accused you know, and what's their reaction. And that's generally it. You know, somebody's facing some some long-term uh, jail sentence or incarceration for whatever. Have you ever uh, so, have you ever received any suggestion or advice from the defendant or a lawyer saying, hey, you know, Jim, help me out here. I want to shave off 10 pounds. Make me look a little bit better. <laughs> almost always. Really? <laughs> No, oh, oh, heck yeah. The attorneys, especially, can you just fill in the bald spot on the back of my head? Uh, you know, yeah, and shave 20 pounds, please. <clears throat> you know, the, do you ever, the, do you consider that? Well, you know, just as an illustrator, you do that anyway. You know, you're not trying to make people look bad, so you try to make them look a little better, maybe. What's the um, what's the time frame, Jim? I, I, are you under pressure to? Cra- I mean, obviously you need it by the five p.m. newscast or whatever to get it to the TV stations or the the newspaper that's hiring you. But how much time do you have to be able to crank out the sketch for as long as the defendant is in there? Like, how does that go? Well, you know, sometimes it's fifteen minutes. Other times it might be a couple of hours, but normally I'm never in the courtroom for more than about 40, 45 minutes, uh, sometimes a lot less. And then you end up with, well, what? I, I was able to grab the judge because he's doing a lot of talking, and then they bring the guy in and, he, and, and they sit down and they hear the sentence and they're gone again. So it's, uh, it, it's iffy. Uh, but, it, you know, I, again, it's kind of it's something of the adrenaline rush. Can I get this done? And so you're trying to get something immediately. 
so that if they do get up and walk away, you know, you have something to offer. Jim McCarron is a sketch artist based out of Madison. He draws courtroom sketches, among other things. And if you want to see the work that he did, we'll get more into it here in a moment. But just want to alert you to the live stream. So you can text WATCH to 855-616-1620 or text the word DRAW, and we'll send you a link to uh, Jim's creation. Eric, what, what did you do? You sent him video? or uh, A video and a couple of pictures of us. Okay. so And, and he did his work. Sketched Eric yeah. and me here yeah, in yeah. the studio. So, Jim, whenever you're watching television and you see some of the ones that pop up, I'm amazed by the, the recent ones with Trump because there are multiple and they all look different. <laughs> like Everyone is like a different style. But has there ever been a time when you've seen a sketch artist done or a sketch art done where you've been like, oh, that was incredible or like super impressed or maybe the opposite, super disappointed in, in how the artist did their work? Well, you know, there's a there's a, a common style going around that uh, people are mimicking this woman, uh, Jane Rosenberg, uh, who did the famously bad uh, uh, Tom Brady sketch. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, she no, she's been in the business for a long time. And it just goes to show you that you can't be a winner all the time. You know, her work is great and is being emulated by maybe another a half dozen other sketch artists. But, you know, the guy, you know, in my experience, the guy that impresses me most is this uh, a gentleman, Bill Robles, in Los Angeles, California. And I was there going to art school, and uh, Bill was a lecturer. Uh, but he had, like, the O.J. Simpson trial, the Manson trial, the Lee Marvin trial, Michael Jackson. I mean, he's done all of these huge trials, and, and, and they come off looking like every one of them is a, a, a beautiful piece of artwork. And uh, so that's super impressive. And then there's Art Lean, the guy who's been probably, I think, 25 years doing the Supreme Court. And he'll put a, a sketch together that has 40, 50 people in it. And you wonder, how did he get that done? I guess everybody sits in the Supreme Court for a long time because they really want to make their point. But uh, those guys are impressive. <laughs> they really are. Uh, so, and other ones, you just go, well, did that person ever draw a figure before uh, it looks terrible <laughs> yeah well i give you a lot of credit jim what, what you came up with eric and me i think anybody who looked at that would say yeah that's yeah, eric that's Vincent at wtmj you even got and i noticed you even got that sweater that i wore that day bothers me and i'm going to retire it because my collar <laughs> sticks out on the one side and you caught that <laughs> <laughs> well it's in you know uh i have to say uh let's see uh, Vince was easier than Eric. Uh, Eric has a, a pardon, you know, uh, but you have a very common uh, structure to your head. Okay. Whereas Vince, it's got much more uh, angular things, and those when you have something like that, it's some it's kind of easier to capture. You got Eric's uh, hair perfect, and that's a signature <laughs> piece. <laughs> well, see, yeah, that's it. It's it's not really a caricature. But it is something about the character of the person, and, and, a, and a, uh, you know, a, a quaff like that is, is pretty great to have. And that chin, I could cut a steak with that chin. So I tell you what, you, did, you, you may have helped Eric well, a little bit there. He looks fantastic. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> but that shirt is perfect, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. So I tried, you know, I tried to put you in what I would consider to be almost a courtroom scene. Yeah. Uh, I would be lucky to be viewing you uh, in that direction. Uh, but uh, uh, if I if I sit in the far side of the of the gallery box and I look back all the way to the other side, I might get this kind of view. Jim McKiernan anyway, from I, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. No, that was just fun to do. Thank you guys for uh, for humoring me.
Well, thanks for humoring us. <laughs> yeah, I think you did not the humoring. Fascinated, <laughs> fascinated by it. Thank you for doing it. You know, not everyone can pull that off. And it's, again, the world is different nowadays. Everything's more digital now, and, and we all consume news differently. So this is one of those, this is one of those industries that's still there, still cranking. and appreciate it, Jim, very much. I, I suspect it'll go away soon. So uh, enjoy it while you got it. Oh, don't we'll say do. that. Jim McKiernan from Madison, our, our local sketch artist who uh, was uh, happy enough to join us today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good day. You too. And again, text the word DRAW to 855-616-1620. That's D-R-A-W. And we'll send you the link to uh, Jim's work on Wisconsin's Morning News. And now, feast your ears. This is the song you need to hear. Most blogs are going to be playing at 10. These go to 11. If you heard the concert announcement earlier on What's on Tap, you now know that Heart and Cheap Trick are coming to Milwaukee August 15th at Pfizer Forum for a very cool classic rock show. And that put me in the mood to play the Wilson Sisters, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Anna Nancy of Heart. And this is Barracuda on What's on Tap.
You can play air guitar along with Hart in person. August 15th, Hart performing at Pfizer Forum. They're going to rock that stadium. And Cheap Trick opening up. What a long way Cheap Trick have come from the bowling center in Waukesha where they got discovered and signed their record deal to now playing Pfizer Forum after decades. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Hart and Cheap Trick, August 15th at Pfizer Forum. It's going to be a great night. I'm Sandy Max. Thank you for hanging out with me for What's on Tap tonight. You can catch up on all the conversations on the podcast anytime, WTMJ or wherever you get your podcasts.